What's going on, Rockies fans? Welcome back to the 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host, Luke Zalman, and I'll be tag-teaming this thing with my partner, Anilo Piro. He's back, ready to go. Um, and we'll have articles, we'll have game pieces, we'll have more on MileHighSports.com. We even have some things in the works that may change the way you get to see the Rockies players this year. So stay tuned for that. Very interesting stuff. And we're trying to kind of revolutionize the way that you see these players. Um, so that'll be interesting. Just stay tuned and we'll get some more details out on that soon. Um, moving straight along to another home opener. Today is the home opener against the Dodgers. Game one of a three-game set. That'll be followed by a three-game set with the Atlanta Braves. Um, the home opener in the last five years, the Rockies have gone three and two. Um, it seems like every year that home opener comes after an away series, I believe it's been almost a decade since they started the year at home. Um, so it's a very interesting way that they've chosen or they've chose to create the schedule and how they've gone on the road to begin the year multiple years now. This year they start on the coast, go to Miami, then go to Tampa Bay. Um, the last home opener to begin the year was in 2011. So like I said, almost a decade. Um, that was a game against the Diamondbacks that they lost 7-6 to six in 11 innings. Um, the only player that's on this roster that was in that game was Chris Iannetta. Um, he went one for three in that game. I believe he had two walks. Um, just a little flashback to the past. Kind of kind of wild to think that Iannetta's back on the team now um, and back in that Rockies purple. Um, and then flashing back to as recently as last year, um, I was saying the second series, second home series of this year is against Atlanta. First home series of last year was against Atlanta, and that home opener was an 8-3 to loss um, behind Ozzie Albies, actually, the young uh, second baseman for the Braves. Um, he hit a bomb in that game, um, and it was part of a huge year to begin the year. I mean, he hit 14 bombs in the first, you know, before the end of May, he had 35 RBIs by the end of May. Just had a crazy hot start. Fell off a little towards the end of the year, um, but it's just another hot start that the Rockies were, you know, had to bear the brunt of. Um, in that same game, Cargo and Nolan from that three four spot go four for eight. Uh, Cargo with a pair of RBIs. He had a triple. He had a home run. Um, Story had another home run. It seems like towards the beginning of the year, Story's really making making it a habit of hitting home runs very early in the year. Um, I still remember that run his first year in Arizona when he just goes on a crazy run in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. Um, just unbelievable, and that's kind of what started the story of Trevor Story. Um, and coincidentally, Hermen Marquez actually started that game, um, and that was his worst start of the year. He allows seven earned runs in four and two-thirds, he had six walks, only two strikeouts, so that was probably his worst start of the year. Um, obviously, people have seen how he's, you know, last game against the Rays this year. He goes, you know, another great start again. Doesn't allow, doesn't allow any damage really at all. No earned runs. Um, he's he's been crazy to start the year. Crazy towards the latter half of last year. Um, looking more into that series. That was the series that really brought to light some of the Rockies' offensive struggles. Daniel Murphy out with that finger fracture, um, and he was out for the final two games of the Marlins series. 
But the Marlins don't boast the type of team that Tampa Bay has. So seeing the bullpen and the starting staff of Tampa Bay really brought to light some of the offensive deficiencies that the Rockies have. 39 Ks in three games, uh, double-digit Ks in all three games, and only two runs in three games. Um, Just a minuscule total. Um, Blackman, Dahl, Arenado, and Story combined to go 9 of 44. Um, For that to be the total from the middle and the top of your lineup, it's going to be very difficult to be able to produce runs. Um, And as I already said, Daniel Murphy's out with that finger, so it does limit their offense a little bit. Dahl's been taken over in that two spot, Um, but they shouldn't probably be struggling to the degree that they are. Um, I think it's still a little bit of early season rust. I mean, if you look at if you look at how big of an impact seven games in a season is, um, it's if you equate it to an NFL football season, it's not even a full NFL game worth when you compare the two proportions of the schedule. So seven games really isn't much. Um, there's not much panic in the clubhouse. They know that they can't hit. Bud Black has already brought it, you know, to the media multiple times, saying hey, we haven't been able to hit, we can't get the sticks going, Um, but it's only a matter of time, and coming home could be the remedy for that. Uh, Players get to sleep in their own bed, get to, you know, hit in similar facilities pregame, and then hit in a familiar familiar venue, um, should I say, you know, for the entire series. So it should change their offense a little bit. Coors field effect, I mean, the bigger outfield, the altitude, um, that can't hurt, but... Runners in scoring position has been a very big um, turning point for them. They've all, they only went one for eight against the Rays. Um, against Blake Snell, they didn't even get a single runner in scoring position. Um, Blake Snell with that dominant start, seven innings, two hits, one walk, 13 Ks. Um, he actually had a perfect game through four until Story broke it up. But then Story gets picked off right after he gets that bloop single. Um, kind of tells you all you really need to know about the way that game went. Um, and they just overall just haven't been able to get on base. They've struck out far too many times and they're not making the contact and the powerful contact to be able to make up for that lack of, you know, lack of efficiency at the plate. Um, against Snell, they only had one hard hit ball in the entire game. Uh, they had three against the reliever, Wilmer Font. Um, but that's, it's, it's too late at that point. The Rays already have a commanding lead. Um, it was too late at that point. Looking at the entire season, not just that series, they only have two runs all year, and one of them was by Chris Iannetta in that season-saving win. I mean, they would have gotten swept. He gets a he gets a extra innings bomb. That's only their second of the year. Um, Trevor Story hits the one on opening day, and as a team, they've hit 197. That's the fifth worst in the league. Um, they hit they're getting on base at a 245 clip that's fourth worst in the league um they're just above cleveland the angels and cincinnati in that batting average you can also add detroit to teams behind colorado so that's not a great bunch behind them and you may be thinking cleveland indians they've been you know perennial deep playoff team but this year without lindor um they don't have edwin encarnacion anymore they don't have you know they don't have most of the firepower that they've had before and so Jose Ramirez is being tasked with carrying that lineup, and even he's not 100% healthy. Um, so the lineups that they've put out have been pretty 
pretty stagnant this year. It's the the Indians are definitely going to have to rely on that rotation this year. That just shows you the type of teams that the Rockies are in the same boat as. And I think it could be a sign of things to come um, positively. I think that when you look at the type of lineup the Rockies have compared to those teams behind them, um, they definitely have more talent at the plate than those teams. So I think some the the common word in analytics now is positive regression, which is, you know, it's counterintuitive. You can't positively regress, but nonetheless, that's kind of one of the terms. And I think that, I think that they're due for some of that. I think that they're due to have a little better series against the Dodgers, little better series against the Braves. And I think that'll kind of get the ball rolling. Um, when there's no success at the plate, you have a snowball effect. Um, but the opposite can come true when you have success at the plate. Um, so I think that they'll be able to come back. Um, but their staff's been amazing. 3.54 team ERA. Um, they've just been great on the mound, led by Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland. Um, they've both only allowed five hits apiece between their two starts. Um, that's up there with some of the best pitchers in the game, up with the Scherzers, the Jacob DeGroms. Um, that's where that five hits apiece is. Um you know, they've only allowed four earned runs between them. Um, that's an average of one run a start, and most of them came in that start for Freeland when he gives up three in the first inning, goes the rest of the game, gives up none, strikes out ten, um, really rebounded, kind of kind of showed once again why he's got kind of that bulldog moniker on the mound. I mean, he just he's always going to give a full effort, and that's just another thing that he brought to that game. Um, and their bullpen's been great too. Brian Shaw has yet to allow a run in four relief appearances. And after the year he had last year and after the spring training he had this year, um, it's a great sign for the Rockies that he's starting to get back to his ways that he had in Cleveland, setting up for Cody Allen. Um, Mike Dunn has yet to allow has yet to allow an earned run as well in three appearances. Um, as I've said multiple times, getting past those shoulder injuries, um, he was due to have more success uh, than last year, and even last year he was pretty successful. Overall, the bullpen in 21 appearances, um, they've combined to allow only six earned runs in 19 innings. Um, that's due to that's due to regress a little bit with that Jake McGee knee strain. Um, but Carlos Estevez is still a good arm, um, righty instead of a lefty, so they'll have to deal with you know the consequences of that. But Chris Russin, with that back injury, will work his way back eventually. McGee will come back eventually. It's not a serious injury. Um, so they're due to get some arms back. As far as the starting pitching matchup for today, opening day, Tyler Anderson on the mound, the lefty. Um, and the first start wasn't great. He struggled quite a bit. Five innings, nine hits, five earned runs, three Ks. And he didn't allow a home run, which is actually a very big deal. Um, last year against the Dodgers, 3.58 ERA and five starts, um, and he allowed three home runs, and that was part of his 30 home runs on the year that led the National National League. So he really struggled with home runs. So to see him not have success in that first start, but to be able to not allow a home run was actually a very big deal for the rest of his season. If he can keep the ball in the ballpark, it's going to help him a lot. Um, and at home last year, 5.02 ERA and 15 home starts. Um, that's 80 and two-thirds innings. And as I said, he allowed 16 home runs at home, 14 on the road. 
Um, so the home run ball is what killed him most. Um, he also struggles with walks at times. Um, so he's going to have to he's going to have to kind of toe the line against the Dodgers because of how ridiculous their lineup has been this year. He's going to have to toe the line between not throwing too good of strikes, but also not walking guys. Um, opposing him will be the righty Kenta Maeda. Um, in his one start this year, he goes six and two thirds, five hits, three earned runs. That was against the Diamondbacks in an 18 to five win. They just went bonkers against the Diamondbacks in that first series. Um, against the Rockies last year, 1.96 ERA and three starts, five relief appearances. Uh, that was 23 innings total. He allowed two home runs. That ERA did rise to 3.86 at Coors Field, but he only threw seven innings there. So he does have the Rockies number to a degree. Um, and a big part of that is the fact that he has a very good changeup and he pitches backwards. A lot of the a lot of the Asian theory to pitching is pitching backwards. Many of them that come, many Asian pitchers that come over from China, come over from Japan, come over from Korea, tend to pitch backwards. That's just what, that's just the theory that they have. If you watch the World Baseball Classic, it's very prominent. Um, so he pitches backwards, very confusing to hitters. When I say pitching backwards, Obviously, he doesn't throw the ball backwards. I'm more referring to, in a normal count, a fastball gets thrown first. You'll maybe get a fastball second. You'll get fastballs early in the count, followed by breaking stuff to strike people out. The backwards pitching theory just reverses that. You throw breaking balls first, fastballs later in count, and it's not a perfect formula. It's not always going to be change-up first, breaking ball first, and then fastballs. But it's a predominant theory that they'll almost always, in the majority of cases, pitch backwards and throw their breaking and off-speed stuff first. And it really throws hitters off, especially when they tune themselves to those breaking balls, to those slower pitches. And then they have to gear up for a fastball with two strikes. Um, it also limits the amount of walks that Maeda gives up. He was very good last year in that in that realm. Um and as I said, he has that changeup, which has been a problem for the Rockies against both Trevor Richards and Pablo Lopez of the Marlins. They really struggled to hit that changeup. Um, and one guy that really struggles against Maeda is Nolan Arenado, the Rockies leader. Um, three for 24 all time with 13 Ks. Not great. So he's really struggled against Maeda. Um, for the lineup to reverse, him in that three hole, he's really going to need to turn around those struggles. Um, kind of feed off the opening day crowd, sold out crowd. Um, and that's another reason why I think they'll have success opening day, playing in front of that opening day crowd, playing in front of the sold out crowd. The porch up top is going to be full. The rooftop, um, it's all going to be full. So they're really going to be able to feed off the energy. It's a midday game, but it's a Friday game. So they're going to have a very big f showing at that game. Um, so they'll just have to give fans something to cheer about early and then ride the wave of that momentum the rest of the game. Um, moving to the Dodgers lineup, the lineup that's going to oppose Tyler Anderson, um, they've been ridiculous this year. They have 18 home runs already. And when you compare that to the Rockies, who have two, that stack gets even more ridiculous. They hit eight in their opening game against the Diamondbacks. Eight home runs. That's a record. 
Um, so far in those games, they've scored 55 runs. That's the second most behind the Seattle Mariners. But when you add the context that the Mariners have had one extra game, they obviously started the year overseas in those two opening games against the Oakland Athletics. When you include that context, they're the best run-scoring team so far this year on average. Um, they have the second-best batting average in the league, second-best on, second on-base percentage. They're hitting almost 300 on the year, getting on base in almost a 400 clip. And they have the highest slugging percentage in the league at 557. Once again, if you compare that to the Rockies, the Rockies are at 283 on the year slugging percentage. That's what you would expect a lineup's bad on-base percentage to be, not their slugging percentage. Slugging percentage is a measure of singles, doubles, triples, home runs, and it all adds up. And the fact that they're at 283 for their slugging percentage is just bananas. It's wild that they're that low so far, and it has to do with those two home runs, and they're not getting many doubles, not getting many triples. When they're getting hits, it's broken bat singles, bloop singles, you know, really, really low percentage hits. Um, The one thing they're not going to have to worry about with the Dodgers is stolen bases. Walters and Chris Iannetta have been very good against base stealers this year, but the Dodgers only have one stolen base on the year. They're not a huge threat on the base paths. Um, I mean, their lineup features guys like Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger. Bellinger and Seager both have some speed, but they're not going to be huge base stealers. Max Muncie, guys like that, Chris Taylor, they're not huge base stealers as a lineup. They'll probably steal more bases as the year goes on, but because of their early power surge, they really haven't had to steal bases this year. Um, moving to Cody Bellinger, he's probably been the best player in the major leagues this year so far. He's already at five home runs, 13 RBIs, and that's in only 32 at-bats. Um, on-pace numbers are ridiculous, especially early in the season. But if you do put on-pace numbers to his numbers, 116 home runs and 300 RBIs if he played 162 games this year. That's what he's on pace for. And those stats are always ridiculous. But to think that he's on pace for that if he was to continue this, which he won't, disclaimer. But to think that that's what he's on pace for is just monumental with the type of early season he's having. He's at a 906 slugging percentage. Just wild. But in his career against the Rockies, he's 28 for 111. Uh, that's a 252 batting average. He's got five home runs, 16 RBIs in his career against the Rockies. Um, at cores, he's a little better, 17 for 52. Uh, that's a 327 batting average, two home runs, seven RBIs. So a little better at cores as most are. Um, so he'll be a huge threat. He'll hit in the middle of that lineup. Um, so they're really going to have to pay attention to him. Obviously the right porch at cores field is a little shorter than most places on the field. Um, it's a high wall, but overall it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the Rockies decide to handle that because if they throw the ball on his inside half and he's able to pull balls, he's probably going to have a ton of success in this series, much the way Carlos Gonzalez had all his success from that left side of the plate. Um, Kike Hernandez has also been great. 10 for 23, three home runs. He's kind of their utility guy. He can play infield, outfield. He's going to play anywhere besides the mound and behind the plate. He can really do it all for them. Um, his career against the Rockies, similar to Cody Bellinger, 26 for 122, four home runs, 12 RBIs. 
At Coors Field, though, his numbers actually got worse last year. He was 12 for 61, 197 in his career at Coors Field, um, and only two home runs, which is actually worse than under the Mendoza line. So he hasn't had the type of success that is normally seen at Coors Field. Um, it could change at any time, but so far in his career, he struggled at Coors Field. Um, so far this year, though, Speaking of Cody Bellinger's ridiculous numbers, Kike Hernandez actually has a higher OPS, which is on base plus slugging, because he's getting on base half of his plate appearances so far this year. He's at a 500 on base percentage. That would go down as one of the best ever, in case you were wondering. That's, you know, along the lines of the Barry Bonds type hitters. Um, it's down, it's bound to fall a little bit, but to think that his OPS is higher than Bellinger and Bellinger's slugging percentage is at you know a ridiculous pace right now he's at at a 906 slugging percentage to think that Kike actually has a higher OPS than him um is pretty wild to think about um and then obviously the tip the prototypical thorn in the rocky side is Justin Turner um he's the Dodgers third baseman he is the player that has killed them the most throughout his career. He's a 358 career hitter against the Rockies. At Coors Field, he's also hitting 358, completely identical. Kind of a crazy little stat. Only but only three home runs and 17 doubles. 17 doubles is a good number. The three home runs, his power hasn't been quite what it was in the past in recent years but he's still one of the better pure hitters in the league from that third base spot. Very underrated, doesn't get talked about much, but when a team plays him, they have him circled, and he's going to hit mainly in that two spot. Um, he may slide up, he may slide down to three, should I say, um, in certain series, certain games, but overall, he's going to stick at that two spot most of the time. And if you want to put it in context, he's kind of what the Rockies were looking at Nolan to be in that two spot. A extremely consistent hitter and extra at-bats for that hitter. Um, Nolan possesses a little more power. Um, and he also drives in more runs, but that's because he's hit in the three hole. So if the Rockies were to move him to the two hole, um, you would see that he would hit about the same as Justin Turner with a little added power. Um, so in this series, if you want to see what the Rockies may look like with Nolan at that two hole, watch the way the Dodgers operate with Bellinger in the four, who's very similar to story, both young guys with power story with more speed, but both young guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's, as I said, he's what Nolan would be. Um, as a team last year at Coors Field, they hit 281, 363 on base percentage, and they hit 20 home runs and 356 at bats. Um, not crazy numbers, but that home run number, if you were to put it to a player as opposed to the entire team, is a is a pretty high number for the number of at bats that they have. Um, so they had they had a lot of success at Coors Field last year. They're gonna play there a ton this year. This is just the start, and considering how hot they are, they may be able to boost their numbers early. Um, with the way the Rockies' offense has performed this year, including the way Tyler Anderson's first start was for them to have to face the Dodgers with as hot as the Dodgers have been in that opening day is going to be about the worst case scenario for the Rockies. That's not to say that they're going to lose. That's not to say that they're going to get blown out, swept in the series, but in the grand scheme of things, 
the Dodgers are one of the last teams that they wanted to see in this opening series. They may they may struggle mightily in this series, and that would put them behind the eight ball a little bit in the season's in the season's tiebreaker against the Dodgers and in their season record in the NL West. If they get swept, not the end of the season, not the end of the world. Just inconvenient timing that they had to face the Dodgers, who are extremely hot at the beginning of the year, while they've been ice cold. Um, as far as the Dodgers' bullpen goes, that's where the Rockies can really strike. Um, Kenley Jansen is the leader, and he's been great this year. He's already got three saves and four appearances, hasn't allowed an earned run, and he has four Ks. They know what he's going to give them. He's one of the more dominant closers in the league huge guy and he has had a ton of success against the Rockies but the rest of their bullpen has allowed has allowed 19 earned runs in 22 innings and yes I am excluding that Russell Martin um, pitching from a position player in a single inning in a blowout Um, I'm not going to include that even though he did throw a scoreless inning so I guess if you want to include that 23 innings of 19 earned runs um, and their biggest problem has been Joe Kelly, the flamethrower that they brought over from the Boston Red Sox. They wanted to replace some of the production that they lost. And they brought him in on a two-year deal, I believe. And he had a huge postseason for the Red Sox last year, and it hasn't carried over. He's been lit up for six earned runs already. Brock Stewart has five earned runs as well. And then Pedro Baez has four earned runs as well. So they've really struggled as a bullpen. And I think that if the Rockies are able to get past Maeda in that first game, if they're able to raise his pitch count in the early innings, he threw over 100 pitches in his first start. So the Dodgers are comfortable with extending him. But if the Rockies can have long at-bats the way they did against Jose Urania in that first game of the season, they can get to the Dodgers' bullpen, and that's where they can have a ton of their success. That's where they'll be able to battle back if they do take an early deficit and really start to gain a little bit of momentum that maybe they could take over in game two of the series backing John Gray. Um, They're going to have to attack that bullpen, and the more that they're able to sap it in that first game, considering the Dodgers have been so prolific at the plate early in the season, their bullpen hasn't been in high-stress situations. If the Rockies can put them in high-stress situations early in the series it'll extend to the rest of the series and fatigue may hit and that will really enable them especially in that third game with Chad Bettis going where the Rockies may have to rely on their own bullpen if they can already have put a significant dent in the Dodgers bullpen that will really help them in in that third game before they have to face Atlanta Um, obviously if if they are able to if the Dodgers are able to drain the Rockies pen a little bit, their pen hasn't been super worked and they've been successful this year. Um, they'll have Marquez and Freeland go in that series against the Braves. So I think they're gonna be they're gonna be using their relievers at a more rabid pace against the Dodgers than they would against the Braves because they know they have their aces in that series. Um and the Dodgers overall just possess a more significantly powerful offense. Um, not having McGee is going to hurt against guys like Bellinger, um, but they'll still have the success from Carlos Estevez against guys like Justin Turner, against you know some of the other hitters of the Dodgers. 
Um, and there's no Kershaw for the series. He's still rehabbing from that shoulder injury that he had in the in the exhibition slate before the season. He's it's it's a sad story to see the way that Kershaw's gone. One of the most dominant pitchers in MLB history, but lately with the back injuries, with the arm injuries, with the shoulder, he hasn't been able to pitch much in the last three years. And it's be it's been sad to see the plight of his career change. Um, just from a baseball, you know, a baseball pundit's perspective, it's very it's sad to see the way that his career has started to arc downwards. Um, hopefully he can come back. The Rockies would hate to see him, even though they are kind of successful against him at Coors Field. They would hate to see him as a team, but I think the game of baseball would benefit from him being back. That's kind of my little soapbox. I think that Clayton Kershaw, having guys like that, having the Max Scherzers of the world, having the Jacob DeGroms of the world to pair with the huge bats like Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, you know, Nolan Arenado, the young up-and-coming stars, um, baseball will never be hurt by more superstars. Um, he's just beginning his rehab assignments. He's thrown some, he's already thrown mound work. He's thrown some simulated innings. Um, so he'll make it back soon, but he's probably not going to make it back against the Rockies unless, you know, something unforeseen happens where he overnight just heals, finds the fountain of youth. Um, the Rockies aren't going to see him. That's a plus for them. Um, but as far as opening day, first pitch scheduled for 210. Um, the gates are going to open for all fans at noon. Um, you could catch the final final portions of the Rockies uh, batting practice. They start far earlier than noon, um, so probably not much. But fans will be able to see all of Dodgers batting practice. Personally recommend if you're trying to catch a ball, uh, step over the scoreboard in right field when Cody Bellinger comes up likely going to get a couple balls um he is he is a bp hitter much the same way carlos gonzalez is he's going to be gunning for the upper decks in right field um so fans that are looking for a ball there's a little pro tip for you um he's he's sure to flood that section with balls as i said scheduled for 210 uh, me and anila will be back at it with another podcast following the second game of the series um, we'll have a preview from Brandon Ewing also up before you go to opening day. Be able to listen to this, read that, be able to prep yourself for the entire opening day slate. Um, have a great one, fans, and we'll talk to you again soon. From Mile High Sports and 20th and Blake Podcasts, Luke Zalman checking out.